You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Pitcher, here's a drive deep to left. Headed for the pen. Goodbye, Julio. Oh, what a ball to Tomasi. Tomasi. He could not leave New York without a goal. Challenged him, and this game is over. It's not like I'm spending money out the wazoo every week. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Hour one brought to you by John Stone's Barbecues. You don't pay more to shop with the experts at Johnstone's Barbecues. They're open five days a week with two locations to serve you. Visit them online at johnstones.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. Really, really, really big show today. You should just say big show. Really, really, really big show. Begins at 630 Elliot Friedman, Sportsnet's very own, is going to join us at his own request. Mm-hmm. Which he put forth the op- opportunity, the option to come on the show on Monday. We said, yes, Friedge, yes. Which I'm a little nervous about. Is this some sort of trap? It could be, because he didn't say why. Yeah. Just said he would be willing to come on our show. And she said, okay, we'll take it. Just start saying he has breaking news, even if he doesn't. I think we don't like to lie to the listeners. <laughs> right. well, it's Elliot Friedman. If anyone's gonna yeah, have breaking yeah. news, he'll have something. Play he'll the breaking news sure. button every time he starts talking, <laughs> just like repeatedly throughout the hit. <laughs> so Elliot, uh, in about half an hour, seven o'clock, the chase of a lifetime has come to fruition. Ethan Katzberg's on the show. Everybody. Nice, Ethan Katzberg, the greatest men's hammer thrower in the world, currently, uh, coming off a gold medal victory. At the World Athletic Championships in Budapest. Nice. Budapest. Okay. Uh, anyway, Ethan's going to join us on the show. Nanaimo's very own. Uh, we'll talk to him about how he got started in this. Again, I did not realize when I heard he had, quote unquote, only been doing the hammer for seven years. It's because he's only 21 years old. Yeah, Adog's going to be like, where do you get your hammers? Do you go to Home Depot or Rona? Do you wait until or- there's a deal, like a five for one? Like, How, do you how many do hammers do you own? Yeah. Et cetera, you have a giant cetera. room full of hammers? <laughs> so, after we move past these clearly idiotic questions, we will talk some hammer throw with Ethan Katzberg, the best hammer thrower in the world from Nanaimo, joins us at 7 o'clock. 7.30, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger. By the way, he's up and writing now at The Messenger. Uh, we'll talk to him about the Trey Lance trade. We will talk to him about Aaron Rodgers' debut for the New York Jets. We'll get into all that at 7.30 with Mike Tannier from The Messenger, our NFL insider. And at 8. Now, remember, as I just said about five seconds ago, we're kind of a, a hammer-throwing province and hammer-throwing country, right? Mm-hmm. Basketball's trying to win us back. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, Basketball, yeah. The, the hoopies are doing their thing. Mm-hmm. Canada is now 2-0. and at the World, ba- or, sorry, the the FIBA World Cup, uh, after a complete thrashing of Lebanon, like, a game could not have been more lopsided. They came in as a thirty three point favorite, 
and eclipse that somewhere in this, like, I think it's by the second half. And they beat France so badly that France played Latvia and just could not pull themselves together. They and broke La- France. Latvia beat France, and now France is out. And Canada's already through. Yeah. Canada now plays Latvia tomorrow. Yes. Lebanon, by the way, still gets a point. They do? Apparently in the FIBA scoring system, you, you show up, get a point. Dude, this tournament, it's so man, weird. I so can't weird. even explain to you how bizarre the rules are so, for this. So not only is it confusing, well, not confusing. It's just, no, it's confusing. Well, it's confusing. It's the, confusing. The tournament is confusing. Like Canada wants to win, even though they're advanced to the second round, mm-hmm. they want to beat Latvia because their record, you keep your record. Yeah. So going. So not only is that confusing, the whole like how you qualify for the Olympics part is confusing because there's like standings within the standings of a tournament that has multiple rounds and round, it's it is a bizarre tournament. But basically, here's how I'm thinking about it. Okay. Just win the thing. Well, that's where I'm right? at with it. Win the thing, mm-hmm. and then you know you're going to the Olympics because yeah. you've won it. That you, I hope. <laughs> I haven't gone that far yeah. down the road. Can you imagine? Be, it? Like, ah, oh, no, actually. Actually, there, Lebanon. There is a stipulation, in. actually. <laughs> yeah. It's like, congratulations, you've won the World Cup. Unfortunately, you also have to play a qualification game against the Philippines. Like that's I, Now honestly, you must race around the world. Yeah, I, it's bizarre. But anyway, we're going to talk to Arash Mandani. We're going back to Jakarta. Andy, where's Jakarta? It's in uh, Michigan, I think. Close enough. Uh, we're going to go to Indonesia where our man Arash Madani from Sportsnet is camped up in Jakarta covering Canada at the FIBA World Cup. So working in reverse, 8 o'clock Arash Madani, 7.30 Mike Tannier, 7 o'clock Ethan Katzberg, and 6.30 Elliot Friedman. That is what's happening on the program. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance, making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Biggest development of the weekend, the Halford and Bruff Jinx. Still alive. Still exists. Halford, Bruff, A-Dog, Laddie, and contest winner Jeff from Burnaby got to go to the Lions game on Saturday, courtesy of Sportsnet 650. They sent us, we were in a luxury suite, there were hot dogs, and then we had our effect on the British Columbia Lions, who no-showed on Saturday. 30-13 to 13 loss to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, their second in a row. Yeah, we got a text into the Dunbar Lumber text line, whatever you do, keep Bruff out of any party suites for the Canucks, send Jamie Dodd instead. He's a real pro. He's no jinx, yeah, he's not a jinx. Yeah, the Lions were, Lions were awful, and... They should have had a better performance because they were coming off a loss in Saskatchewan. Uh, now, uh, Hamilton was also embarrassed because Hamilton the previous week had lost to Edmonton. We'll get to the Elks in just a second. Just a second. Um, so we were at this suite, and Moj came bursting in from the broadcast booth, not during the game, but at halftime. Mm-hmm. He rolled in just to say hi. It yep. was a very quick appearance. And he said... The word flat approximately a thousand times in that the Lions look flat. And that was basically the conclusion. And uh, head coach Rick Campbell was very disappointed, I would say, in his team's performance. He said, you know, the one thing I can usually count on from our team is energy, and there was no energy. Um, so, listen, this is this is not great news for 
people like me who are dreaming of a West final at BC Place. That's um, not good. The Lions, <laughs> the Lions are now two games back of the Bombers for first in the West. They're seven and four. So it's not like there's a ton of the season left. There's still a bunch of games, but not a ton of the season. And even if they beat the Bombers on that game October 6th at BC Place, they're still going to need to pick up a game along the way. So let's go Riders, I suppose, for the next couple of weeks because the Riders and the Bombers will play their Labor Day game and then the Banjo Bowl rematch in Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I say that as long as the Riders don't pass the Lions in the standings. I don't know what to expect from the Lions right now. That was... One of the most listless sporting yeah. events I've ever been to in my entire life. So we're, we're right, at, right from the start, too. right from like, the get go, right from the start. You're you're watching them and you're like, ah, like you can't even make third and shorts. You just like nothing. Nothing was working. The defense looked meh. The offense looked completely out of sync. There was no energy in the building. It was too hot. It was too hot, too smoky as well. I blame those two factors, mm-hmm. but it was not good. Yeah, the Thai cats were used to the smoke from the uh, all the mills. And Laddie, I don't know. Laddie just was like going around sniffing the air, being like, "Ah, ah Hamilton." <laughs> uh, okay, smells like pollution. I hive, <laughs> I five so many people with man buns. It was, it was great. Uh, so many Oscar Wee chances driving me nuts. It was, it was. It's a rare time in the history of the Halford and Bruff show that we lead with not one but two CFL stories, but. After the Lions stunk it up at home, we need to talk about the hottest home team in the Canadian Football League, and that is the Edmonton Elks. The reign of terror, by that I mean losing at home, is over. The home hex has finally been lifted. The Edmonton Elks won a football game at home, and that is a big deal because in the previous 22 home games, they had failed to do that, you know, win. They had not had a win at home since 2019. It was the first... At Commonwealth, since they changed the name from Eskimos to Elks. Right. So that's their first home win as the Elks. And it you, happened in August of 2023. Do you know they're only one game back of the Stamps now? They, I thought it was a joke yesterday. Like, they're two games back of, of the crossover in the playoffs. Well, I was watching the highlights yesterday, <laughs> and the guy's like, yeah, now we can talk playoffs. I'm like, were you 0-9 like two weeks ago? Yeah, I love how the are, CFL. How but are you in playoff contention? They are, they're red hot, man. Well, they are. They won two games in a two row. Two games in a row. Mm-hmm. Let's go the distance, Elks. <laughs> Honestly, if the Lions can't win the Grey Cup, why not the Elks? That would be that would be incredible. They okay. did the Gatorade shower yesterday too, and everything. They were fired up for that game. Well, so yeah. Kudos to the Elks. Um, one local team from Vancouver did perform well over the weekend, and that is the Vancouver Whitecaps, who started their seven-game stretch away from BC Place with a win. In Portland. Yeah, 3-2 over Le Timbres, also known as the Timbers in Portland. Got out to a 2-0 lead. Kind of held on in the second half. Uh, a smart performance overall on the road, even though it got a little dicey in the second. Uh, our beloved Scotsman and future Canadian, Ryan Gold, with a <laughs> pair of goals. And Brian White got another. And there was some talk, some chatter, if you will, from reporters and Vanny Sartini who are asking about this very difficult stretch of the schedule because, as you mentioned, seven matches consecutively on the road. What they sort of needed to do, and the understanding was, in the front half of the seven games away, were teams that um, they're kind of competing with in that mushy middle of the playoff uh, picture, sorry, in the Western Conference, and they all had games in hand in them, on them. So if you were able to win those games in hand, not only would you solidify your playoff position, but you could really jump the table. Like there is a possibility for the Caps to be a 
fourth place team in the in the Western Conference mm-hmm. maybe flirt with the idea of getting a home playoff date in the first round. Now a lot needs to happen there, but this was a good start. I, I, I mean, I, I I admire your optimism, but it's I think it's still going to be really tough. All these games on the road. It really depends. Uh, this is one of the more unpredictable teams that uh, I can remember in recent memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just seem to come up with really impressive performances when you think they're down. And then when you think that they're cruising, <laughs> they lay a complete egg. It's a very difficult team to figure out. Um, I think the nice thing for them is that they won't be hit very hard. I'm trying to think if at all in the international break. Uh, I don't think a lot of their well, Canada's play- not playing, right? So they won't, yeah, yeah. And, and the other thing, so Richie Larea can get some more time to just chill, I guess, or well, practice with the team. Sam I don't know Atacubi, what they'll do. Sam yeah. Atacubi as well. They yeah. both played against Portland, and everyone kind of said, "All right, this is really interesting because both played, both were difference makers," mm-hmm. and they're like, "This is two pretty significant upgrades in the middle of the season, which they haven't really ever had before." Yeah. So there is some optimism for this seven. Uh, they're at Chicago on Wednesday. Now we kind of mentioned this off the top, and we'll talk further with this about uh, w- about this with uh, Arash Madani. But uh, Canada kept rolling at the FIBA World Cup, and I think if there's one team that has made statements, <laughs> multiple statements now at this tournament, it's Canada. Yep. They probably are so far the story of the tournament in uh, terms of how dominant they've been in, in a good both way. Their yeah. Games. In a, yeah. Because France is the story of the tournament in a bad way. So the Canadians with two wins over France and Lebanon uh, have already qualified for the next round. You got to stay, bear with me here. I yeah. might also make mistakes. It's very confusing. It's okay. If, I have okay, a Wikipedia no, no. page. If they can beat Latvia Tuesday, they'll win their group and move into the next round at three and zero. And that's important because that 3-0 and record would continue on into their group with Latvia mm-hmm. <laughs> and probably Spain and Brazil. So probably. don't forget their record would carry over, helping them hopefully qualify for the quarterfinals. So there's two group stages, <laughs> basically, to this tournament. Yep. And, and that's why the records carry over. So a 3-0 and record is going to give them a leg up in this group because there'll probably be another 3-0 and team, but then there'll be two teams that are 2-1, and I imagine. Right. And then you go into a group, again, as you mentioned, presumably with Brazil, and because of the North and South America's qualifiers, you actually have a direct way of knocking out one of the teams competing for your Olympic spot. Like It's a very bizarre tournament. I don't know who drew up these rules. I don't know who greenlit this at the end. Like this seems super not confusing. But I like I scrolled through yesterday looking for <laughs> North, Central, and South American teams that may have been eliminated already. It's so like Mexico. Right. Mexico's out. That's good for Canada to make the. But they, I mean, so they've got to finish the top two among those teams. Is that is that it? Yeah. Right, and that, okay. but that's if you don't make a deep run and just win the whole damn thing. In which case, yeah, yeah, you don't yeah. have to worry about any of these this qualification process, right? I kind of, so. I, I know. Well, it's not. I don't think it's totally unlikely. I want a game against the Americans. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you want all the big powers. But we're not. We're not on their side of the tournament, right? No, that would be. I, I believe if, again, if I'm not mistaken, there could be like a crossover hidden in the, the <laughs> footnotes of the rules that I don't know about. But as I understand it. Uh, they play would theoretically it would be a Canada U.S. clash in the final, which would be amazing. The long way to go, um, as several people have and astutely pointed out on the Twitter machine, Canada's done this 
at an international tournament before where they've looked unbelievable to start. And then when it got down to the crunch, they folded a little bit. Most the, the most sort of infamous one is when they lost to Venezuela. You remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a very disappointing effort. But this team, man, it looks like a wagon. And in a very weird way, Jamal Murray's exit has kind of made it a no-brainer that Shea Gildas-Alexander is the alpha dog. Like, there's no sharing of who's going to... Maybe gonna... it's simplified a little bit. You're like, That's it's just his. Yeah, it's his team and everyone else follows. I'm not saying that it, you don't want Jamal Murray in the lineup. I'm not going there. But every, when everyone knows their roles, it does make it a little bit easier. So we'll see how Canada does uh, against Latvia. I have to admit, like, when I saw that Latvia beat France, I was, I was kind of like, oh, maybe France is just off. Right. Well, that's what I, I mean. There's part of that you have to wonder about. It like, was almost like the Belgium story at the World Cup. Yeah. Right. You're kind of like, oh, well, I mean, Canada even lost to Belgium, but nah. but it was kind of like, oh, maybe Belgium is off in this tournament, so we shouldn't read so much into their first performance against the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a bit of a disappointing weekend for the Canadian contingent at Shaughnessy. Uh, I hope everyone that went down to watch uh, the Women's Open at Shaughnessy had a good time. Uh, I suppose credit Brooke Henderson for a strong round on Sunday, uh, but a couple of 75s on Thursday and Saturday took her out of the running to win. Only two Canadians made the cut at the tournament, but at least, I suppose, a bunch of amateurs got some uh, LPGA experience on the Canadian side. Um, Let us know if you went down to Shaughnessy and what you thought of it. You can text that into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Uh, I just wanted to mention that because it was a big local event. Um, God, who won? Megan Kang? Yep. In, in a playoff. In, in a playoff, yep. yeah. I mean, it was cool. to uh, first it, ever victory on the P- LPGA Tour. It's cool Came to watch. Canada. It's cool to watch a big tournament on a course that is local. And, like, I played it a few times, so I'm like, oh, yeah, I had an eight on that hole. <laughs> Right? I, yeah, I wonder. <laughs> so the the story of the entire weekend, if you watched any of the coverage or paid attention to anything that was going on, it was Brooke Henderson, Brooke Henderson, more Brooke Henderson. Now, understandably so, right? Brooke Henderson's wearing glasses. That was a big story. Yeah. Brooke Henderson wearing glasses. There was a lot. I'm more, I did not know that she didn't wear them, but then I knew everything about them. Mm-hmm. I think I knew like the degree of lens. It, show, it, whole... show, it shows that time is passing by because yeah. she's wearing glasses now. She was making jokes about it. Yeah. But um, that was the biggest story. And she was very <laughs> complimentary and thankful of the fan support that she got yeah. in Vancouver. But I do wonder if the scrutiny of the week was... Because that was it. Like Again, you mentioned it kind of jokingly, but I think also it kind of um, symbolizes the tournament. You're like, who won again? Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, the yeah. actual winner of the tournament. And you know everything was hyper-focused on Brooke Henderson. It was a very up-and-down weekend. But she was, you mentioned that it was a tie for 13, right, that she finished? Uh, I didn't. I just okay. mentioned she had a, a strong round on Sunday. Okay. Uh, let's go now as we whip through here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Major League Baseball on the weekend. And another tough one for the Toronto Blue Jays. And Laddie, who's wearing a Pokemon shirt that I've seen for the first time. I did not know that that was a... Are you into Pokemon? Are you, do you like Pokemon? Yeah, it's pretty good. Have you caught this them all? This is like a classic Pokemon. It's the original 150. It's collected them all. I don't Alfred. I'm not really Have into the, the the newer age oh. ones as much, but Okay. Yeah. I I've cuz not... you're a grown adult. Speaking of Blue Jays, when I was in Toronto, they actually did a g- name that Pokemon outline and they all got it right. All the players know Pokemon apparently. Are you serious? So, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it's our it's it's our generation. Oh, no wonder, man. Every single no one? wonder this team is not a serious baseball team. <laughs> yeah, because they they're know what Pokemon too, are. They're spending too much time on the Pokemons. Uh, it was the former a former face of the Toronto Blue Jays who then got designated for assignment shortly thereafter. Noah Syndergaard got a win despite getting roughed up pretty good. Face of the Blue Jays, come on. He was. Remember when he got drafted? He was like a, a co-face of their prospect group for. A Remember month. when he got drafted? I remember yeah. hearing about. I remember hearing about Thor. I wouldn't have called him the face. And of he the, played the here. And he played here, <laughs> laddie. Ten um, seven. Jays lose to the Cleveland Guardians. So they're now two and a half back in the wild card chase. And just when you thought the Jays don't need anything else to deal with right now, injuries hit the Toronto Blue Jays. Chappie, your man, Chappie, Matt Chapman left in the sixth. Bo Bichette hurt again. He's now day to day. Not good. For the Toronto Blue Jays, as I mentioned, they now sit two and a half games back of the wild card. The Mariners, meanwhile, are first in the AL West. Who was it that you asked that question? Was it Dan Schulman? Or who did you ask the question of, like, do you think the Mariners could win their division? And it was kind of like, it was a Hail Mary. And it now was. they're, they're first it, it was in was the their division. pre- and post-game host from, um, from right, the right, ESPN right, right, 710 right. in Seattle, whose name is escaping um, me at the moment. So, so the Rangers are in a bad way right, right. now, and that has allowed the red-hot Mariners to pass the Rangers by for first in the West. It was funny. I was like, I was, uh, I usually go to ESPN and then I go to the wildcard standings and I'm like, wait a minute, where are the, where are the Mariners? They disappeared. I see them all the time on the standings page and they disappeared. Where are they? I'm like, no way. They're first in the West. Um, and by the way, the Mariners and the Rangers play seven times in the last couple of weeks. I think they finished the season with a four game series. Mm-hmm. So that could be pretty interesting. But back to the Jays, who are now two and a half games back of a playoff spot. It is now very realistic that this team could not only not win the division, which a lot of people were hoping for and maybe not necessarily expecting, but saying it's possible. And people were going to be maybe a little bit disappointed if they just snuck into the playoffs and they had to do, you know, a best of three series. Mm-hmm. This team could, and it's looking like might, <laughs> miss the playoffs. They need to play some urgent baseball. <laughs> While we don't know what it looks like, and we're not even sure it's a thing, they need to start playing with some urgency. Laddie, takeaways from the weekend? Uh, bunting would be something to work on. That's high on the list. After the Explain, last please. Well, there was a, a bunt that was dropped down to supposed to be to the third base side mm-hmm. and they dropped it down to the first base side. Right. They end up throwing two third to get the runner and it may have cost them the game. Yeah. So tiny little points. Tiny little mistakes. Uh how nervous are you? How concerned are you for the health factor now? Uh well Bo's knee is probably the, the bigger concern I think than than Chappie. He just came back. Mm-hmm. So it was like a little tease, I guess, to to get him back for a few weeks. They already designated De Young for deci- assignment and he's Ripping it up with the Giants. De Jong for designment. Yeah, I almost said that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm more concerned about the Bichette injury. And, yeah, it's it's the time they need you, everyone healthy. They need everyone in the lineup. And this could not come at a worse time. Do you think they're going to pull it off or no? I think so. Because you mentioned the, the, the fact that the Mariners play the Rangers so much. Like, there's three, basically four teams vying for three spots, right? Mm. The Mariners, Astros, Rangers, and Blue Jays. So, if two of those teams want to beat up on each other... Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that, and the Blue Jays can kind of benefit from that, right? So I feel like the way it's all shaping up, the Blue Jays need to play the best baseball of those four teams, but if the three others are all facing each other a lot, 
it could benefit them, and I, I do see a pathway for the Jays to sneak in there. The Jays start a series with Washington today before yeah. they go out on the road for two series against Colorado and Oakland. I just want to uh, say... That's an easy uh, schedule. Uh, hold right on there. a second. Uh, Elliot Friedman's going to join us next, so we want to get to that. Um, we'll talk to uh, Elliot um, about his conversations with Elias Pettersson, and maybe we'll go around uh, the rest of the Canadian NHL team. So stay tuned for that. You just wanted to say something about the Blue Jays. Yeah, if you look at you want to talk about schedules down the stretch or to end the season, basically the last, what is it, three, four weeks of the season is all AL East teams, right? They only play against Boston, Tampa Bay, and the New York Yankees, and their record in division is so putrid that we're at you're at this point, you're like, if they're going to make the playoffs, they have to do something they haven't been able to do all year, and that's win in the AL East. Well, and that's and all they, they've they got still need to beat up on this easy part of the schedule. That yeah. There's no guarantee they're going to do that either. Yeah, it's going to be a, that, a... Yeah, that's what the Mariners have done, right? They're just like taking advantage of the, 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 the bad teams. Uh, Elliot Freeman is going to come up next, and we'll talk to him about his conversation with PD, and we'll ask him probably the big question that I've got, like... How much of PD's decision to sign with the Canucks or not sign with the Canucks is going to hinge on how the Canucks fare this season? You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Missing the Canucks? Subscribe to the Canucks Central Podcast and get alerts for breaking news episodes. Daily shows return in September. On a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. We are in hour one of the program. Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman is going to join us in just a moment here. Hour one of this program is brought to you by Johnstone's Barbecues. You don't pay more to shop with the experts at Johnstone's Barbecues. They're open five days a week with two locations to serve you. Visit them online at johnstones.com. To the phone lines we go. Joined by, as mentioned, Elliot Friedman. Friedge here on the Halford & Brough Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Elliot. How are you? Good morning, guys. How are you guys doing? We're well. Thank you. And thank you for taking the time to do this and for volunteering to come on the Halford & Brough Show on a Monday, which we really, truly appreciate. We thought it might be some sort of trap. Yeah. Like, I'm just looking to get the, you know, it's like business before pleasure. You want to get the crap out of your week done first. So you I understand that. the rest of your week. Yeah. yeah. Not even offended. Um, Fridge. Uh, <laughs> so what, what, where are you now? Are you back from Europe? Yes. I'm actually just uh, driving towards the sprawling Rogers campus. I have a couple of things I have to do there today. Okay. Um, so your conversation with PD, I guess we can get into the the rest of the conversation but i think the big question i have is how much of pd's decision to sign or not sign with the canucks is going to hinge on how the team fares this season i i would say a lot of it um almost all of it um you know, Jason, is it? I've been thinking about. Is it okay to share with the question you asked me by text? Because I was thinking about that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Preparation. So okay. my question so, was, how much of it is a yeah. negotiating ploy versus how much is it hinging on the team this season? 
See, I don't think it's a negotiating ploy at all. Uh, I, I think that's got basically nothing to do with it. I, I have no reason to believe. Like, I think the Vancouver Canucks know that Pedersen is going to be very highly paid. And I, and I think that they are more than understanding that it's going to take a, a big deal to get them done. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that they're like, I don't think there's any reticence from the Vancouver Canucks to sign him whatsoever. So I don't think that that is any part of the equation. And I don't think that any of this is like, I think in Nylander's case, there is definitely a gap. And that's a problem. You've got to figure out a way to bridge the gap. I don't think that's the case with Pedersen. And one of the reasons is, as everybody in Vancouver knows, is that he's not a UFA after this year. It's not as urgent in that way. There is time to figure this out. As Pedersen said in the interview, he's not sure yet if he sees his next contract is a long-term or a short-term one. He hasn't even gotten there, really. This is all about how does he feel about the organization. So, like, everything the organization's done to try to straighten things out and get them into a position to win, I think that he wants to make sure it's going to work. Now, I I think it's important to note here that um, I didn't get any sense at all that he thinks that the plan is terrible. I didn't get any sense at all that – he thinks that the people running the Canucks or coaching the Canucks don't know what they're doing. I just think he wants to make sure. And I think it's important to point out too, that um, he knows that part of the Canucks having a successful season is him duplicating or exceeding the year he had last year. And um, he's very serious about it. Uh, we, like, like I said in the in the podcast uh, on the boat trip, like he brought a lunch, um, and it's a lunch that was prepared for him by a chef. And you know he's he's stronger. Um, you know he talked about how he looked two years ago and how he looks now, and he's still still really lean. Like I don't think he's ever going to be you know, an angry Bruce Banner, but he (laughs) understands that there are things he can do to make himself more powerful, and he's committed to that. So, Jason, I do not believe this is a negotiation tactic. I think this is purely about does he think, does he see the plan come to some degree of fruition this year? Well, the reason I wanted to ask you this question was really just confirmation on what we were saying. We did get a bit of pushback from that, saying like, oh, this is just you media guys trying to create a narrative for the season. The Canucks are already going to be under pressure in their first five or ten games to you know, not bury themselves like they've done the previous two seasons. And what, now you're going to put Pedersen's future on top of that too? And my response was, yeah, we are. Because it's a big season huh. for the Canucks, right? Um, what... How would you describe Petey's personality? Because you, you've spoken with him in person a few times. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, the one thing I think about him is, is that I think he really tries to be careful. Um, you know, I, I think he's, you know, we talked a little bit about this. And I think the piece is going to air. Don't quote me on this. So it's probably bad I'm saying this on the radio. But I think it's airing opening night. 
Okay. I think that's when the piece is going to air. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, it's interesting. We talked about, and he talked about how, you know, Talkett has said he doesn't like talking in front of the group or he prefers to be quiet. I don't think he has any problem with that description. I think that he's careful. He He's really, uh, you know, I, I think the one thing to understand the most about what he said to me, he doesn't think it's a big deal. Like the fact that he said he wants to wait to see how the season goes. I know everybody in Vancouver worries about it, the fans I'm talking about, but he doesn't think it's a big deal. He thinks it's perfectly reasonable and perfectly normal, and he doesn't, he doesn't think people should get bent out of shape by it. You know, one of the things we talked about is, like I said, he understands why Talkett said what he did and feels what he does, and he is going to try and move a little bit in that direction, but he's never going to be like, you know, like he, he's never going to be like, you know, think of your favorite movie character who delivers a big speech, <laughs> whether it's Tom Cruise, yeah. you can't handle the truth. Yeah. Like he's never going to be that guy. And, and he wants people to understand that, but I think he's very comfortable in his own skin. He is demanding of himself. He expects a lot of himself, and he thinks, I get the impression that he thinks true leadership is not what you say, it's what you do. And that's who he is. That that was Jack Nicholson that delivered that line. Just, just oh the, right, just sorry. The, just, Jack, just, yeah, just, just hey, it. just for the record, we, we we focus on the important stuff here. Uh, Fridge, can I ask you? Did he use the line? I don't want to create a headline for you because he's famous for that with us. No, he. I don't think he did. Off the top <laughs> of my head, I don't remember. Like he, uh, off the top of my head, I don't think he said that. But um, you know, like he did say. But he knew, like, he understands. He understands the market. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he really does. And uh, that's why, you know, one of the things we talked about was he didn't want to answer. He, he didn't want to spend a lot of time talking about his contract. He didn't want to say things that really inflame the situation. He's careful. He's he's really careful. And uh, But I also, like I said, I also think, that he doesn't, and I can't repeat this enough, he doesn't think it's as big a deal as other people do, what he said. Do you think he's gotten comfortable with the fact that regardless of what he thinks or what he wants, and you know, he, he doesn't think people should make a big deal out of it, and he, I don't think, wants it, um, do you think he's gotten comfortable with the fact that it's going to happen anyway? Uh, I, I don't I don't know if I'd say I think he's gotten comfortable with it, but I think he realizes it. Yeah. You know, you know, wh- one of the things, Jason, I, I really feel is, and again, this came through in the conversation is, I don't think he's crazy about all of, like, like I said, I don't think he's crazy about the way that his words get parsed and examined. But what I think he does love is the passion of when he has a great game or when the building is on fire in a good way, he loves that. Like we talked about some of his games where, you know, the fans start to go crazy 
and the building is alive and like they're embracing him in that moment and he truly loves it. Like, you know, like, like I always think about, you know, they're, they're like from a personality point of view, I could understand why people think he'd like something quieter because he's just not that out there a guy. Um, but from a, a, a reward, like the risk, I always say the playing in the Canadian market, the spotlight is hard, but the rewards are high. If you play well in the Canadian market, you are a God forever. And I think he sees that. I, I think he sees the reward of when things go well, what it means and what the passion is like. He, you know, it, it's actually one of the better parts of the conversation when he talks about one of those games and the crowd started going wild for him. <laughs> and, you know, it's not like he's a big smiler, as you know, yeah. but he starts talking very intently about it and intensely about it. And you can see it's, it's, it's very meaningful to him. So that's, I think, what he sees, is he sees the rewards of success there. If things do go well, that really appeals to him. Fried, you can probably relate to someone who, who doesn't want to have their words parsed. Uh, I mean, you, you yeah. are, you're the biggest media guy in hockey. Uh, people hang on what you say. Um, one of the conversations Mike and I have had about PD in Vancouver is like, just accept that it's going to happen, right? Like, don't, don't fight it. It's almost like being a politician. You know that whatever you say, the other side is going to, you know, try and make it look like you made a mistake, right? It's, it's not exactly the same as a politician, but with, I, uh, I, I, I sometimes think that like the, the, the personalities that thrive best in a Canadian market are the ones that are like, yeah, it's Canada. That's going to happen. Whatever. I'm going to turn my phone off and I, I can't worry about it because like I have accepted that it's going to happen. Have you gotten to that point or do you still get frustrated when like your words get parsed and you know, you're like, ah, I didn't mean that. I didn't say that, but people are saying that you did. Yeah. You know, it's, I think that's a great, a great question. I, I, I like, like I, I have a pretty thick skin, but like everyone, there are things that get to you. Um, I understand that that happens from time to time. I, I think what you have to do and uh, is uh, like the way I was, I was kind of told when I first started in the business guys was save your bullets. Um, you know, like when you get mad or get upset or you're angry about something or bothered about something, if you're bothered about it all the time, people start to tune you out. And, but if you, but if you do it only once in a while, people know, Oh, this is serious. So I try to do it that way. Um, so like, you know, like a lot of the time when things get thrown around out there, I'll generally ignore it. Although if I think I have to reach out to someone to say, Hey, just, let's dial this back a bit, like maybe the subject or the person I'm talking about, I'll do that. But I, like, I, I do think you have to understand that happens from time to time. Although, you know, not like, it, it's like, it, it's like everybody's personality is different. Not everyone is going to be as accepting of it as others are. So I really pick my battles. I don't get upset about it a lot anymore. 
Um, but and I think in this case, I think Peter Pedersen has done it to some degree because I know like he was around not me the next day, but he was around some of our crew. And I think they asked him, like, do you have a problem with the way that that got out? And he said no. So I think in this particular case, he said what he wanted to say. He doesn't think it's a big deal. So I don't think he was bothered that much by the reaction. I'll tell you this. I actually get more upset when another media person does it because I, I think we should be careful. But, yeah. you know, what, well, we should what know better. Do? It's crazy now. Yeah. Yes, we should know better. Yes. We're speaking to Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman here on the Halford & Breff Show on Sportsnet 650. Elliot, question in for you to the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. It's from Scott. He wants to know, can you ask Elliot why he prefaces all his Canucks stories by pointing out that our fan base is a rabid bunch of dogs? <laughs> That's actually a great question. Well, you know why? Because, like, I, I know I've had my battles with the Canucks fan base, and there was one in particular I, I I never really meant it to be that way. Um, you know, I just, well, first of all, because I know that I, I, I know that how you guys are going to react. And I say that again, with uh, love and respect, like if it wasn't for fan bases, like the Canucks, none of us would have jobs. So when I poke fun and say that, I, I mean it respectfully. Um, but I do think that, um, uh, it's not even a but. It's it's. I just think that I know. I've been around long enough now to know when I put something out, how generally how people are going to react to it, and I know that the most intense reactions, uh, <laughs> most of the time, come from Vancouver. So that's why I say that, and I say it like I said with love and respect. Um, Freeze. What is going on with Nylander? Boy, it's, uh, you know, I, I got to tell you, I got a lot of reaction to that interview. Um, uh, it was, uh, it was, it was pretty funny. Like, I, first of all, I really do think that guy is as chill as chill gets. Like, I wish I was as chill as that guy. Um, he doesn't, what he's bothered by, he doesn't show it. Like, I had people say to me, he gets more aggravated by things than he lets on, which I think is normal. Sure. I, I don't think anybody would be surprised to say, uh, say that. But, you know, I, I think this. I, look, I think Toronto made their decision. They, they had to do what Matthews wanted. You can't, you know, you cannot box yourself into a corner with a 60-goal score. You just, you just can't. So they, they, they got the best deal out of him that they could. And I think that other than that, I think they've just said, let's wait and see how this year goes. And, um, you know, with Nylander, I, I think they had negotiations. I don't think they were ever close. Um, I think, you know, Nylander, like Pedersen, is prepared to wait and see how this goes. Um, but I, like I said to him in the end, like there's been reports he wants $10 million a year. Uh, I haven't reported that, but... Uh, you know, I, I, but what I have reported is that I do believe that he, him and his circle are along the lines of, if no one else is going to take a haircut, I'm not going to take a haircut. Right. And I do think that that's a thing. 
And um, I think the Maple Leafs just decided that they're going. I think they looked at trading him. I don't think they liked what was out there. I mean, he did score 40 goals last year. He's a really talented guy. And in the playoffs, he was involved in a couple of their really successful moments against Tampa Bay. I think they know that and recognize that. They didn't like what was out there. And we'll see. I, I think that the Maple Leafs, like if you look at it, there's a lot of contracts up after this year. Some of the guys they brought in, Domi, Klingberg, Bertuzzi, but also Nylander. Marner can extend next summer. Like Tavares is going to be a year away next summer. Like they could go in a lot of different directions. And I think that's what this year is going to be about. So I think that's where that is. Yeah, there's. it's always, it's always interesting when it's a year away from unrestricted free agency. And the one team that has kind of confused me this offseason because I thought they might have been a little bit more active was the Calgary Flames. They've got all these yeah. pending UFAs. And there was kind of a message sent from the organization, like, we're not going to have another Johnny Goudreau situation. We're not going to do that again. Yeah. Well, then, uh, what's happening to all the guys that are pending UFAs that potentially could uh, be a Johnny Gaudreau situation? Elias Lindholm, Michael Michael Backlund, Noah Hannafin, you know, Nikita Zadorov, I guess to a lesser extent Chris or Ta- Chris, Christopher Tanev, although he's a little bit older. Like, what's going on with those guys? Well, I, I think that, first of all, they, they said they were, they were going to make two decisions first. And the two decisions first were Hannafin, and uh, Lindholm. Now, Hannafin has made his decision. Uh, he's, he's indicated he's not going to sign with them, and I think his preference is to go to the States. Lindholm, uh, I think they were talking. I think they kind of um, – I initially thought it was going to be around Horvat's number, eight and a half. I think now it's going to be higher than that. Um, but I think they were willing to give Lindholm the summer to think about it. So I think that once we get back to camp, I think they talked to Colorado about Backland. You know, Colorado went out and they got centers. They got Johansson and they got Colton. I think prior to that, they were talking to the Flames about Backland. Um, but, um, you know, I think once they get back, they'll have a better idea on Lindholm. And then I think some of this will start to figure itself out. I I think the other thing is, I don't know if you heard the interview with Rasmus Anderson on the pod, and he was really good. I think that uh, one of the things, and, and, and I visited with Markstrom in, in Sweden, and, and one of the things I think those guys are talking about is, forget about last year, let's just play. Let's show up ready to play. And I think that last year there was a lot of noise, and I think the players are demanding that there be no noise. And so uh, I think Lindholm, once we get back, we kind of figure out where he is and we go from there. Fridge, you're the best, bud. Thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. No worries, guys. Uh, Have a great last week of uh, official summer. And uh, I know know there'll be lots to talk about this season, so I'm sure this isn't going to be the last time. Thanks. Enjoy your corporate day today, Fridge. (laughs) All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. So we're going to have to wait a while, I guess, for that uh, for that PD interview in full. To yeah, air. I was a little bit surprised that it would come out on day one. 
Yeah, because it's uh, day one of the season. He, yeah. he suggested. Yeah, because it's uh, August right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, uh, and 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 the season starts in October. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotta do some checking on that. Just bear with me. Yeah, yeah. you're yeah, expecting let's... to dry out these storylines for a very long time. I'm like, they could, they, they they yell at Halford and Bruff for talking about this on end. I mean, what are we gonna do? We can't even see the whole interview for another month and a half. You know what we talk about? We talk about the hammer throw. So Ethan Ka- uh, Katzberg is gonna join us next here on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. If you don't know who Ethan Katzberg is, he's 21 years old. He's from Nanaimo. He's the youngest ever men's hammer throw world champion. Youngest ever to do it. And he joins us next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.